0: You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: David Hall.
1: Man, I feel like a billion,
0: or maybe four. All right. This week on the show, we celebrate with iRacing the four billion laps completed milestone. We'll explore the shadow teams of the Coke Series
1: and see how the iRacing holds up side by side with the real world. And remember, you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and podcasts that we discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there.
0: GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com
1: the topics and we kind of already hinted towards it iRacing hit four billion we actually have a link on the show notes to a forum thread that they started uh saying it was coming up but since since then it's happened uh don't have any details on who turned that four billionth lap yet
0: yeah somebody notated it was coming soon that was uh within this last week what date was it It was well, that was actually June sixteenth, is when he uh, notated that that it was coming soon, and at that time it was uh, three billion nine hundred thirty-two million, and so they still had seventy-eight million miles left to get to that milestone. So within I don't know uh, about five weeks, we did seventy-two million miles. I mean that's crazy. Lapse, to think laps, 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 right?
2: Unless you're talking about ring.
0: I mean you think about how many people are actually on on a regular basis, you know, each night it's 9 to 10,000 or something
1: but well, it averages out to 850,000 laps a day since they started. That's crazy. That's a whole lot of laps in one 24-hour period
2: even across all the different um races and all that stuff. That's still a
1: ton of laps. So if you're a race in 24/7, I your your odds are basically about one in Eight hundred thousand right there's a whole bunch of more complicated math that would go into that but because you're running more than one lap, but that's pretty crazy. so Dave, you mentioned it are are they actually able to
2: pinpoint who actually turned that four billion lap, or is that just like a, a pie in the sky type of thing?
1: I seem to remember that they've actually given away uh, prize money before for for milestone laps, haven't they? Mike? I remember that yeah, I don't remember which one it was. They basically gave the guy um, a whole bunch of iRacing books. That's pretty cool. I like that. We'll have to keep an
2: eye out to see if they uh, post anything that they're going to do that again this time. It,
0: it's a, it's amazing to think about that eight hundred and fifty thousand laps every day, but it it wasn't like that at the beginning. It, the only you know it was hundreds of laps or thousands of laps. You know, it was a small number. So it really has gone up exponentially if you think about it uh, in mathematically. Um, and then to think about going into the future, let's say, let's look at 10 years into the future. Does it keep going up exponentially like that? You would assume so based on history, but there's only so many people in the world. So maybe it doesn't.
1: Yeah, but that's also growing exponentially, right? That's true. And, uh, and the technology is being more
2: and more available to more and more people. So, um, do you guys have a good idea how long it took to get from three to four billion? I can't remember when they turned three. I wasn't on
0: the show back then, I don't think. I recall it, but I don't remember when it was.
1: If you're, on, it if you're on the show, tell us if you're in the chat. Actually, can anybody see the chat right now? We're, we're kind of redoing things because Greg had a truck breakdown. Greg in my a tonight. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so the, the stream is of, of a simplified quality. That's what we'll call my work, yes.
0: Now if you're if
2: you're in a race and it's like a let's just say you're at Daytona and you're in a big group, you know, you could technically turn that four billionth lap and just made it by tenths or hundredths of a second, you know? Because all those laps of the other cars that are around you are counting towards that four billion as well. If you're in a group like that in a pack race, you could have missed being the four billionth lap by hundredths of a second.
0: It's like your odds of winning the lottery are probably better, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's insane. So, congratulations to iRacing on the 4000000000 billion. Let's move on. Brian, tell us about the hotfix.
2: Yeah, guys. So, um, we got a Season 3, Patch 3 hotfix, number one, um, that was uh, dropped on the 16th. Uh, Alex Gustafson, in the forums, posted the details on it. Um, so, it uh, fixed an error that could appear if a second instance of the iRacing UI was launched without a URL specified. That's a good one. So, uh, track maps have been fixed, some instances there that caused some errors.
0: So, let me interrupt. So, I just want to point out look, if you launch it with the iRacing UI, you were affected by this bug. So, another reason I use the website, I'm sorry. That's okay. Oh, go ahead. I digress.
2: I use the website too, but not because I hate the beta UI. But um, my uh, crew chief app does not work from the UI, but it does work with uh, the website, and it's based on the Sim Commander uh, secondary software. I found out if you're running a secondary software like Sim Commander, the crew chief doesn't work if you run it from UI. It only works it if it works from if you run it from the
0: website. And another reason.
2: So uh, there's some, uh, some changes in the uh, GT cars, uh, the Audi R18, uh, some different engine strengths against uh, against hits from below, just kind of a lot of little tweaks here and there, um, some advertisement updates and some of the tracks were done.
0: Now, the biggie was that EOL, EOL penalty. Where it wouldn't go away if you got it once. You would had to do it every caution of the race. Mm-hmm. I would have been pissed. I I never had that problem, but, uh, well, it's fixed, apparently. All right, next up, a reminder of the upcoming 24 Hours of Charlotte Charity Race benefiting the National MS Society. Uh, Time slots are July 30th, 31st. So that's not this weekend, but next. So it's coming up. Uh, The normal stuff, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Eastern. uh, That's always 6 p.m. Eastern Friday night. 3 3 a.m. Eastern Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Saturday morning. That's the broadcast split, so that'll be the main one. And then finally, 12 p.m. Eastern will be the final slot Saturday. Uh, Four-hour race, uh, sounds like fun. You know, if I wasn't working, I could do the 6 p.m. East. Well, no, I I might be able to do the Friday night one with no NIS. I remember we we don't have NIS. It's really throwing me off.
1: Yeah, the next so, two weeks are going to be kind of slow. <laughs>
0: so this was at the Roval, correct? Charlotte Roval? Charlotte Roval, four-hour race. Uh, I don't remember the car. What was the car?
2: Yeah, I don't remember either.
0: I'll look up real quick. Yeah, Charlotte Roval, uh, D4.0 road as a license. It's a 30-minute warm-up. It's a four-hour race. Qualifying is only two laps.
1: And it's multi-class. You've got the MX-5, the TCR Audi, and the Cadillac CTS. There's also uh, some... Oh, that's the single-make classes. And then the, they're also running all three of the GT4 cars.
0: Wow, so a bunch of choices. So, which one is going to win the overall? Which one's faster?
1: The one you're not driving, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, G, the GT4s are faster than this. Than I, Well, I don't know how fast the Cadillac is, but the GT4 will run faster than the MX-5 or the Audi. I think I own the McLaren, so
0: maybe I'll run the McLaren. Are there different McLarens, or is there only one? There's a GT3 McLaren. Oh, maybe that's the one I have. You should probably do the MX-5. Oh, uh, I, I don't know about those slower classes. I always like to be in the class that's going to win the overall. I, I it's just a thing I have with road racing. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm bored, heck, why not? You know, we're going to put on a, a a fun race this Friday night. And so maybe we'll do this four-hour thing next Friday night, It'll you know, for fun. Maybe I'll do the MX-5.
1: I'll have to miss it. I'll be at band director conventions. So, uh, speaking of real life, we've got a really cool video here. The EMSA driver, Daniel Morad, he posted this one on YouTube and I actually came across this one. Um, it was a side by side comparison between a lap at Belle Isle in real life and in iRacing. And it was just mind blowing how he timed the lap pretty much exactly the same in both car, in both the sim and the real car. I mean, he was hitting every corner of the, at the exact same time on, on this lap, uh, if there wasn't any manipulation, well, that's
2: what I was going to say. If you were skeptic, you might think that he was slowing and slowing the uh, or speeding up the uh, replay to, to match. But I, I seriously doubt that. This case, it's really amazing
0: how how close these things are together. what's, what's uncanny to me uh, is the shadows as he drives past a shadow of a tree or whatever alongside the track and the shadow appears in both videos at the same time. I mean, that's really where it gets me, man. It really uh, seems accurate, you know, Definitely shows the,
1: uh, it definitely shows the consistency of that level of a driver as well. Yeah,
2: that's a good point. And it's, it's cool because I've seen side by sides before, but I don't know if it was ever done with the actual driver who was racing it in both both uh, instances you know i think sometimes they see and here's a here's a video from this driver compared to you know another dri- uh, you know my driver or something like that i don't think i've ever seen it for sure where it's actually been the actual person who was actually at the track and the person who was actually on iRacing turning the uh, the lap together
0: so the times had to match right pretty much i guess because it matched up on the video
1: so you could stretch and compress to make it line up perfectly if he, but it would take a lot of uh, real fine tuning
0: what i'm saying is like if the, the the sim is one tenth off the real car and he can't get it to get that extra tenth i mean yeah does he crank the video up or what yeah so hopefully i, I would i i don't know i didn't actually listen to what he had to say during the video the, about times but or and that kind of thing but uh hopefully he didn't do that
1: well, Brian, it looks like so. it's it looks like it's almost uh, poor Super Cup qualifying time, right?
2: Yeah, on uh, July 31st, which we just said is uh, next weekend, the qualifying series for the 2022. Porsche Tag Heuer eSports Super Cup will get underway. Um, so, Starting from now, some races around the world can secure one of the 15 free starting places in the fiercely contested championship. So, There's 15 spots available through the qualifying series, uh, which will initially feature six preliminary heats on six different tracks. The event will be held on Saturday, every weekend between the 31st of july and september 4th 2021 so that's your that's your time frame to get in there and try to qualify for the uh, next level of the porsche
0: tag hoyer uh, super cup series yeah and we had some information from porsche last week this is uh, i racing putting out their information just a little bit more uh, there is a proper schedule that they put on their page uh July 31st like like you said it starts there at hockenheim ring and uh and the, the qualifying series is goes one two three four five six weeks uh and then the contender series kicks in September 9th through October 30 and then I presume they wait till 2022 to run right
2: yeah I haven't heard the dates on the next level right there's one more level before they get to the actual uh series
1: no that, no. The, no second, never... the second level is is after the six weeks. Right, the one that ends in
0: October. And so then they need to run the actual Porsche, you know, E. That's
2: right. And it kind of started early
0: in the year last year, so it won't be too much longer before
2: at the end of that, that they'll begin the actual So there'll be a a
0: break November, uh, December off, and probably start in January would be the guess, right? All right, next up, a uh, fascinating uh, conversation on Twitter started by David Childhouse, and uh, he asked... On his Twitter page, why sim racing um, doesn't always get the views or engagement um, <clears throat> with its audience compared to other esports, um, And he actually had a lot of uh, participation in this conversation. You know, I put in my two cents. You know, I said, I wish I knew. We we're on our sixth year of the iRacers Lounge podcast. And our growth is flat pretty much except for the Corona bump we do we try everything to grow too. Um, but we have people come and go, but uh, and it stays rather flat because of that because some people fall off and then we have other people join. but but uh, yeah, we we pretty much have had the same count of audience for the last two to three years. Um, and so it's a good conversation, you know, not only about our podcast but sim racing in general. Uh, what did you guys think of some of the replies that he got besides Mont?
2: Um, I think my my one of the things that I thought of personally before I go into some of the other comments when I saw this and I thought about it, I my feeling is that I think the average age of your typical iRacer is higher than what you would see in like Call of Duty or one of those FPS type games, so I think you're dealing with a a older, a little bit more um, older audience who might not be as used to watching a lot of events on, you know, on streams or on YouTube and stuff. They're used, maybe they're used to getting all their television from, you know, the cable box and stuff like that. So maybe that hasn't transferred over quite uh, because of, because I think the age, average age is higher. That was one of the things I thought of.
0: Uh, Mike Shabarak, he had a good response. He said, it's a niche inside of a niche. And, he, and it really is. I mean, when you look at racing, auto racing in general, it's almost niche, niche-like. But, but then sim racing inside of that, you know, and then to, to, you know, to stream it and watch it and so forth. Uh, another guy, Brian Mullen, he put, ignorance. Even real-life racing suffers from the not-a-sport crowd who thinks it's basically just driving on the highway. A racing video game is going to have to deal with all of those people as well as the out-of-touch old-school fans who are allergic to growth.
2: Well, uh, one thing is, I don't think uh, the uh, the pro-invitational probably changed a whole lot of people's minds about getting more into watching um, these races on TV, at least. Um, I don't think they did themselves a whole lot of favors as far as that goes with the way it was treated.
1: Probably made it worse in some ways, actually. Right. <laughs> That's that, possible, yeah. They could have got a
0: better, much better way um, on that, for sure.
1: But the whole the whole building of esports and making it a, a a viewing media that that is also still somewhat of a niche right
2: yeah i think so but i got i got two young kids okay they don't they don't turn the tv on for anything <laughs> they're only they're in, all their entertainment comes from youtube videos and stuff like that where they're watching other people play games and stuff like that um it's 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 going to be you know when they get older i don't think that's going to suddenly flip-flop and they're going to start watching tv the way we did when we grew up i think that that's just the new way and you know maybe iRacing has to find a way to tap into that um again i don't think a lot of kids my my son's age are into watching racing it's a little bit too slow pace for them um but i think as they mature i think they're a their sensibilities will become a little different and they'll be able to have the patience and maybe the understanding to, to to see what's going on behind the the drivers in a race. It's not just like David said, racing around the highway for a couple hours.
1: Putting the Coke series instead of We've, I push this every time, but putting the Coke series on the TV would. Build. I did too. And um, even if they don't have, even if they don't end up with a time slot, they should have that on standby for a rain delay. I think maybe even a condensed version of the, of the Coke race to throw in if if something ca- causes a red flag to come out at the race.
0: Yeah, good point. Uh, Ryan Vargas, who is actually Xfinity driver, he said. In the grand scheme of things, e-racing is still a pretty niche genre of esports.
2: Yeah, but um, again, I, I still think it's by far the best translation from real to real sport to um, sim sport. You know, no, no other, no other simulated sports um, gives you has the same inputs from the player as as it does in, in sim racing. We've talked about this before, you know, you're not throwing a ball in Madden, you're pushing a button to throw a ball, you know, in here, we're we're turning wheels the same way you would do in there. We're catching cars as they get loose. We're doing all that stuff the same way a driver would.
1: On the the other hand, uh, for me personally, I don't watch that much racing because I'd rather be in the race myself, right? Yeah, I've gotten to that point for sure. Well, uh, let's go ahead and hit the next topic, which was a Six Hours of Eiffel. It did already happen, but we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, The VCO Esports, they hosted a race on Wednesday, and it was the Six Hours of Eiffel. Uh, It was a charity race to help those affected by the flooding in the Nurburgring area. And it was broadcast on Race Spot TV, and the donations can still be made at the link that we have on the show notes. Uh, it was a race at the GP circuit. They didn't go around the big track. They went around just the, the formula track. And it was a, a mix of the the lower tier multi-car sports cars.
0: It looks like they raised over 8,200 8, euros or pounds. I can't tell. That's a pretty but, good chunk. Yeah, that's very well. For a sim race, wow.
2: And I, it didn't get a whole lot of fanfare from what I understand. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't even see this last week on the show. We would
0: have put it on last week if we knew it was coming up. Right. It had, so that was announced or came up with after our recording last week, and and it was already happened that quick, and they raised that much money. So, yeah, the I don't know if you've seen it on the news, but the floods over there were pretty dramatic.
2: All right, guys. Um, I'm going to let you guys know about an article that was on Racer.com's website. It discusses the shadow teams. Scary-sounding shadow teams that drive the eNASCAR uh, Racing Coke Series. Um, so it mentions that teams like Dead Zone Racing, Team Conti, Lockdown Racing, and Lowline Racing, which have little official structure and are mostly comprised of groups of friends who climb through the iRacing ranks together. The largest of these is like Dead Zone Racing, it has like 12 drivers in the uh, the Coke Series, and plenty more in the Road to Pro Series trying to make it to the Coke Series. So it's a big team. It's got a lot of drivers um in the series um so these teams are are, are really if I ever mentioned on the broadcast so you really really won't hear it when you're watching a coke race and um outsiders who aren't familiar with the uh with the uh, the coke series and the drivers they they probably wouldn't have a whole lot of idea that these uh teams even existed so um you know you when you're watching the show you're going to hear about the JGR uh, the Joe Gibbs team or you're going to hear about uh about team and all those those two two man teams that are uh, are sponsoring those uh, race car drivers, but they're really kind of just the show, you know, the show team for the uh, broadcast. They do provide the drivers, you know, with benefits and and uh, some signing bonuses and things like that, and equipment sometimes. But well, they've, these these they've, are the real teams that build the setups and really uh really put the show on behind the show.
1: The front. Uh, owner or the front teams, those pairs of teams, they basically help contribute to the purse, right? They had to buy in basically they had to buy charters essentially to, to have two teams.
0: And they do the marketing part of social media, the, the front, you know, anything visual or customer facing um it is, is through them. So it, it's a neat, a unique relationship. And when it was announced, when they had the front end teams, the, on the end teams and so forth situation. I was a little skeptical, you know, how it would work out, but you know, here we are, you know, three, four years later, or however long it's been. Um, and it seems to be working pretty good. Um, this is a great article. I, I can't believe racer.com is doing so much. iRacing racing coverage lately. Um, but they have been every week. They're doing some kind of feature article. And so kudos to racer.com, you know, um, there's there's a lot of good quotes in here. Brian does a great summary on the article, though. Um, but if you want to learn more, it's really a good read.
1: Uh, it's kind of an analog to the to the teams and then alliances that you have in, in the real cup series, right? Because uh, Roush used to have five drivers, and some people were getting irritated with that. So they put a team they put a cap on how many owners you can have. In fact, even back when. Hendricks first expanded. Hendrick first expanded. He had to uh, make Jeff the owner of one of the cars, right? Because they had some limits on how many team cars they could have. Uh, So you have this alliance. It's almost almost kind of like make actually. Like maybe your Chevy has twelve cars in the field, and particularly at plate races, they they tend to want the Chevys to all work together, even though they're not actually from out of the exact same race shops.
0: Well, and the, the the dynamic on an iRacing team, you know, is, you know, every week we get setups coming coming in that people have made or worked on, and then somebody might have raced it and tweaked it. Uh, you know, like, David, you often get into early week races and find out if a, a setup is worthy or not or, or try trying one or the other, uh, decide if it's too tight or too loose. And, and, it, and it organically grows throughout the team, you know, another driver might pick it up and change it and so forth, but, but with these teams that are in the Coke series, they're doing that but on steroids. Um, they have people, you know, actively working on it, you know, seven days a week kind of thing.
1: Uh, each of the drivers puts in probably about 20 hours of test time a week, right? Just trying every little iteration of a set to see exactly what it does
0: but not just the coke driver but all the other drivers on the team you know there's a coke driver right. but there's 10 or 12 people behind him that aren't coke drivers that are they're right there with him doing it with him and helping and providing their input they're putting laps in on the testing and so forth so that's what it's all about
2: one of these shadow teams that that Dave, you have a lot of experience with, is um, Ellie Sadler's, right? He's he would be considered a shadow team.
0: He doesn't have an official Coke sponsorship, right? Right. Well, no, no, no. He does. They added him as a team, but um, so he's actually the one that's both. Um, so that's a, that is a little unique. So yeah. Okay. So he had, so he has three drivers in the series, right? but only two of them are on Elliot Sadler eSports that the you know that the customer sees
1: isn't it Vicente that had to go to a different uh,
0: yeah i think the front, on front a different owner one. that's right but, yeah but on the back end Vicente's with Elliot eSports right yeah he's
1: he's still in that group chat where i where we talk with him re- occasionally
0: right and so we
1: almost we almost got him to run one of the endurance races with us Vicente but he was out of town that weekend
0: now i think Dead zone you know, didn't they announce, oh, Anthony Alfredo's with us and, you know, that kind of thing? It almost seems like these back end teams almost should try to align themselves with the front end team. So it, you, you get an Elliott Sather esports moment where they're both the back and the front. So, all right. Uh, I got this one on the road again. Uh, Jake Poland on Twitter posted, um, a photo of the eye racing van, and he said, "On the road again," suggesting that the scanners will be back in action at a track near you. He did not mention really the good. location.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that might be their parking lot of the building. Who knows? Maybe it uh, could but, um, be. That's a really good sign. You know that they're really start they're starting to get out there and start scanning tracks again regularly. Hopefully, um, you know, we had a had a wall there. You know, with the uh, the pandemic, where You know, they were they were trying to put out new they were just putting out content that didn't really necessarily need scanning. Like iRacing Super Speedway didn't need a scan, um, stuff like that. And uh, it's good to see that they're actually going to be getting back to more tracks again.
0: There's one reply that I'm looking through the replies. There's one reply where somebody indicates it may be Nashville.
1: That would be the fairgrounds then. Right. That SRX race there was pretty, pretty fun to watch. That's a tough little track. The next one is a promotion announced within iRacing ranks. Steve Myers announced on the Twitter page that Greg Hill has stepped up in iRacing and is now the executive producer.
0: Congratulations! We uh, talk about Greg Hill a lot on this show. So, and what was his title before? It was something like marketing, something marketing manager.
1: I don't recall, but he's now an exec, now the executive producer
0: that's pretty cool i mean he's been kind of jumped in and took over uh the announcement of all the details of the special events i've noticed over the last couple years and um on the forums very actively you know with everybody um working on stuff so yeah greg's a great guy i've talked to him before uh congratulations to him
1: brian this next one's funny i've actually had this one happen to me
2: yeah, this was a good one. So um this was from the Global Sim Racing channel but it was um they broadcasted a race and I raced and picked it up put it on their Twitter page of a race at Mazda – Monza sorry Monza where um both the leaders of the, of the track missed the f- opening chicane of the race, went right through it. Um, they hit those big white barriers on the backside of the chicane and they stuck to the, uh, to the wings of the open wheel cars. They were dragging them around the track for, uh, for at least a half a lap. Um, so it was pretty weird. Uh, I can imagine that's not an easy chicane to miss. Uh, I, don't, I haven't, don't have a lot of experience at Monza Monza, but, um, it's tough to open a race with a chicane right at the beginning of the, of the, sh- of the launch. the top did not, five did not just make it. it.
1: Yeah, they, well, they missed it because everybody goes in with the, the got to win on Lab 1 mentality and they drive in too deep when everybody's going to have to brake earlier when you're stacked up too wide. Uh, so, what happened is the leader actually got a little bit of contact uh, with the outside car. Uh, and, and, and 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 then both of them chose to just go straight rather than turn in and and end up wrecked. But the funny part is that they get the barrier stuck. Uh, the funny part yeah. is
0: the announcer going
1: nuts when they go off track. <laughs> yeah, he gets pretty excited too. Um, if that this guy's sorry. Go ahead, Dave. That barrier, if it gets stuck in the wrong spot, you can't see. It will block your view. I had one actually get stuck in the cockpit. Of, of an LMP, and it's weird because it will actually—it it turns into this gyroscope thing. It turns as you go around the corners, but it—it it, it just won't shake loose. It looked like
0: it was like impaled on his uh, suspension and stuff, but he finally broke broke loose of it.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't affect the arrow. The, the car doesn't know that it's there. It just affects the visibility.
2: So what I thought was kind of weird was that they pretty much just stayed right in the front of the pack. It didn't slow up that I saw for any kind of penalty or anything. They stayed; they were right up in the front even after going through that straight. Um, I don't know what the time penalty there is, but if it, it must must not be that big that they they lost a ton of spots.
1: It usually ends up being about four seconds. It's 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 a pretty rough penalty on the uh, in the LMP. Maybe they just uh, deserve but it. but they were going pretty slow because because it was a standing start, so they might have may not have reached their normal peak pace.
0: All right, another great video on Twitter I love to see this week was Bernard Pollard Jr. posted his reaction video on his Twitter account of him taking his first iRacing win in a truck race, actually, and uh, his reaction is priceless. Now, we've been watching him since he started on iRacing uh, a little more than a year ago, and he's always put up these videos with his reaction about what he was learning as he went through it, and it's so cool to see him grow into uh, an actual winner at this point.
1: Yeah, congratulations! And it's, and it's always fun. I, I want to put his win and Annie's first win next to each other That's two uh, kind of eye racing rookie ish people who who accelerate through the through the career real quick and get their first win. Uh, it's you know it's it's raw emotion in both cases. And
0: when you get it, you get it. You understand what it means to win when you've ran, you know, hundreds of races before you get that first one and and you finally break through. I mean, you can tell looking in his, Bernard's face. I mean, he's just screaming out, let's go, you know, as loud as he can. And um, he's loving it. I mean, he is just pumped uh i told him come on the show but we we didn't hear back from him but uh, he's too busy out there trying to get another one
2: yeah he goes on to a lot of the big shows you know dbc and shows like that but none of them are going to be able to let him talk as long as he wants to about winning this race as we would
0: (laughs) well he's got his own podcast with his brother i guess um so i caught it his nephew yeah yeah I'll have to catch up on that and see if he talks about it but I just love his enthusiasm he obviously is a an eye racer and uh, I can't wait to run against him in the in the NIS he needs to come run with us
1: how about that dirt yeah, boy. So
2: uh, Tyler Hudson posted in the forums the information for the upcoming iRacing Knoxville Nationals. It's a, the, the famous annual sprint car championship event held at Knoxville, Knoxville Raceway in Iowa using the 410 wing sprint cars. So that's coming up on August 16th through 21st. So you got a little bit of time to get some practice in on your 410s and uh, – do some laps to try to make this feature um monday through friday the first time slots are going to be at nine eastern time each day and uh, the saturday super session will take the top 60 and overall points from the week uh and uh, see who can qualify from there
0: i love this format you know monday through friday 9 p.m eastern pick your poison you know you you run at least once and then, you know, go into the super session on Saturday and try to do it.
1: That 14 is fun to drive at Knoxville. That's one of the only tracks I've, that I kind of sort of had to learn last year from, From uh, was it, uh, yeah, the Majors was there.
2: So uh, your license only has to be a D4.0 in Dirt Oval to make the race, um, to make the qualifying races. Um, so, yeah, so anybody can get in there. Um, 60, 60 cars split sizes. Uh, and they'll be going through uh, E through A mains to get to the uh, to the, get to the finals.
1: Yeah, it took like four, three or four A opens and NIS races to jump from a rookie to a C license. I don't even <laughs> own this car. Do you own any of the wings? They're all they all come together. No.
2: You better get it before Friday, Mike.
1: Yeah, I mean we were going to run it in a
0: special event, so I might, and so maybe I'll run this too, the Knoxville Nationals. I don't think I have the track either oh you know we're
1: we're spending your money now, so <laughs> uh, uh we could do a multi class dart race, put that out there and the cup car. oh my, that would be insane go ahead brian
2: i was I was gonna ask if uh race would have any kind of uh, is, there, is there any kind of money or winnings or anything like that for winning this no
0: okay I, I didn't think so got the prestige,
1: whatever, yeah, just do something different since n i s is out there. Speaking of if you want to try to get something different in there, uh, Tyler Hudson has posted that they're now accepting the request from the community for the 2021 Season 4 track schedules and length of the races. You need to have it in by Wednesday, August 18th, and you have to use the template that's provided. And if you also take it in look, he wants it to be community-based recommendations. You can't just put in a personal request. So you have to kind of build it through the discussion in the forum.
0: Yeah, and um, we just put up a sampling links, but they're asking on all cars, all seasons. Uh, they want information from from you guys, so get involved if you want. There's a lot of there was some forum posts I saw that I didn't put on the script this week, but that said we never want I the I Racing Super Speedway on the B car series or the C truck series anymore. And people were begging for them to take it off of the schedule. And so this is it. This is how you get it off the schedule. You have to go participate in these discussions and say, you know what? We don't want the iRacing Speedway, whatever. Uh, there were several people who were against it, apparently. Well, speaking of that off-week race, uh, we decided we're going to host a event tomorrow uh, that That's Friday, this Friday. So uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably listening to this on a Friday. So it is that evening uh, at 6, excuse me, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So that's 5.30 p.m. Pacific for me, which is uh, just about perfect. Uh, We're going to run the 410 Sprint car at Bristol Dirt. And uh, I don't own the car. I do have the track, obviously. So, yeah, I'll probably buy the car and run it with you guys. We want everybody else to come out and run with us too.
1: The real act wings were, were here and were putting down ridiculous times, weren't they? Yes, they were.
2: They raced uh, like about a month after NASCAR was there for their dirt race at Bristol.
0: Yeah. And so we put this out on social media this afternoon. Um, guys, jump in with us and run. Uh, it'll be fun. What else is fun, David? Well we hinted, something.
1: we hinted last week that we were gonna we were coming up with a new plan, a little new promotion with Gridfinder, our primary sponsor. And we're gonna have basically the Gridfinder Paint Festival. And uh, I call it a festival because that's what we call a lot of uh, competitions in, in music. Uh, so I Lounge and Gridfinder are presenting a livery competition. Uh, here are some of the details. The livery needs to be for iRacing. It's got to be uploaded to the Gridfinder Paint Shop, and it has to have info filled in with at least three sample images. So you want to take some screenshots as well. Um, it needs to be posted to social media with iRacer's Lounge and GridFinder tagged. The liver needs to be a grid finder theme, primary sponsor needs to be grid finder with iRacer's Lounge as secondary, and you can throw in any of your other sponsors as, sec- as, a- as a ternary sponsors as well. Uh, any car may be chosen. The contest is going to start now. So as soon as you hear this, the contest has already started and the deadline is going to be August 18th, midnight Eastern Standard Time. And the prizes are going to include a guest spot on the iRacers Lounge podcast, as well as GridFinder Sim Racing Gloves and a $50 iRacing credit from GridFinder.
0: So the timing is a little bit off. I need to change that. We're going to announce the winner on the show of the recording August 18th. Ah. And, and so we'll have uh, and, and then tell us how, how it's judged.
1: Well, there's a link to the page where you can find these details it's also in these show notes but you'll notice right for some reason that png is not showing up again it says displaying grid finder livery theme uh but they have a theme guide and you, you can actually see it on on the stream even though i can't see it on the show note preview that i'm looking at uh there's different various logos from GridFinder and from Iris's Lounge that you can include in there. And there's also some some design guide where you can put in the different branding from GridFinder. Uh, so, put something together. It does not necessarily have to be the orange colors. Uh, in fact, if you look up on the show notes I and on, on the primary page, my, my GridFinder cup car is in red. So, I, I took the orange out because it didn't look good with the red. So you can you can pick a different set of colors if you'd like, uh, but we're gonna just first of all we're gonna make sure they qualify that they're enough of a grid finder theme and have and that all the conditions were met and and then it's gonna be from that point completely subjective. Several of the show members as well as some of our other team members who do paints will be judging and trust me, we disagree on what looks good on delivery as as much as anybody. So what will win as far as aesthetically is is going to be interesting
0: so you get to be a guest on the show either uh just up front for 10 or 15 minutes or you could sit in for the whole show if you want and you get the sim racing gloves and 50 bucks in credit pretty cool now that theme you know it has fonts it has a color names and all that logos everything on the website irisherslounge.com slash gridfinder paint festival you can actually get the iRacers Lounge logo. You can get the Aftermath logo uh, and this theme that uh, GridFinder put together with all the colors. And and we have all the different GridFinder logos on that page as well for download. Um, uh, black, white, colored, uh, letters only. Uh, there's all kinds of different versions of them. And so, uh, check that out. Same with the iRacer's Lounge podcast logos. They come in different colors um, as well. So, yeah, let's see what you guys can come up with and uh, who, who can get the 50 bucks. Housekeeping, uh, we'll go into that. Don't forget about the Aftermath podcast. I have no idea when they're going to put out next. Um, check us out at the website, iRacer'sLounge.com. And we have a deal with Midwest Simulations. If you get these spotlights from them, you can get ten percent off with the coupon code iRacersLounge. Lounge. We're on the Performance Motorsports Network. Brian Fantasy.
2: All right. So uh, topping the list after this week is uh, Res Dog. Still just in time. Number nine is number two. Oh, baby, forty-four is in third. third. Mister Tibbs in fourth. Um, TGI. Tony Groves has jumped up to P6, making a late comeback. He's not a ton of points away from really getting to the top three or four like he's done uh, last year. Um, frozen Cocktus, uh, Greg, he took a little bit of a drop to eight. Uh, Chris Gales is in 10th. So, uh th- four guys in the top 10 from Tifosi uh, Racing. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Tigers Rochette's in P15. Uh, Steven Llewellyn, 17. Uh,
0: Remember, Steve Llewellyn had a good couple weeks going. I see on this week he felt that he got a 23rd when you look at just the week. But Swyla Ninja won the week, number one for New Hampshire, and then Tony the Tiger second for the week. Here for the SR third, (laughs) TGI Racing four, so that's Tony Groves. He got fourth for the week. Well done. I think that's
2: uh, Smiling Ninja's two weeks in a row he won, if I believe right.
0: I know, coming hard, huh?
2: Very good. So, Mike, you're down in D27, not not looking too hot there.
0: <laughs> I've, I've missed some weeks, I think.
2: <laughs> I gotcha. No worries.
0: I think I've used up all the good drivers early, though.
2: Oh, no. Then you're in trouble, then. I think there's only a couple more weeks left before that all resets, right?
0: Oh, that'll be good.
1: Yeah, definitely. Wait, everybody gets a reset? After the, when the playoffs start, I believe so. Yeah. Or well, what drivers you can use? Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it resets the score. I think it just resets which
1: drivers you can pick from again. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Are we ready for some hardware software? Bring it. There is a ton. Alright, this first one is a fairly expensive uh rig, but it does hold triples. It's the Monoposto uh 3X DGS ST edition from the Italian maker. Uh It's an aluminum profile style rig with the seat included. No, that's a good sign. That that makes the price a little bit better. It comes with triple monitor mounts that can hold up to sixty-five inches, and it's selling for twenty-two hundred euros, which is discounted from the regular price of almost twenty-eight hundred.
0: I love, love, love the triple monitor mount.
1: Yeah, the 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 the, it's a pretty sleek setup. It looks like it's more. It's definitely a a, an F1 style seat uh, because of. but not only just the positioning of the seat, but how high the pedals are compared to where the seat is. Uh, it's it's fairly light on the profile, though, of, of the actual seat rig part.
0: Yeah, the cockpit is sleek and, yeah, it, it's it's not overbuilt by any means. But I think the triple monitor, it's not even a mount, it's, it's like stand. It's a triple monitor freestanding stand. It's way overbuilt, but I kind of like that. And it's got like 65-inch screens, too. Yeah, that's huge. That
2: might be a little bit too big as far as scale goes when you're sitting in it. But yeah. the 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 monitor mounts remind me of the old blackboards that you used to see in school that you used to wheel around, you know? Right.
0: Yeah, two legs, uh, straight uprights. Uh, they have crossbars. It's pretty straightforward. But sturdy as hell, it looks like, you know. I think that's the thing. I touch my monitors, they move. I, I hate that. I, I really want to get it something different where they don't move around, you know. They're so, solid. If somebody bumps into it, it's not going to move. Well, that's well, from Italy. S-
2: I was going to say the seat looks pretty, uh, pretty bare. You know, it doesn't look like a typical racing seat. It looks like it's, uh, very low on um, padding and stuff. Very low on comfort. Comfortable that would be,
1: yeah. But you know if there's uh, an F one seat well, I mean, though your yeah, your your weight is distributed a whole lot more evenly across your entire body. Right, that's what I was going to say to you, Dave. Uh,
2: you know, if you get that cradle that uh, the the F one seats do, they kind of cradle you your back. Um, it might not be that bad. But
1: I, this office chair, I mean, has a whole lot of padding compared. It has more padding than my Sparco seat does, but. When I raced in this for and sat for two hours, I experienced tailbone pain. I don't over there.
0: All right. Next up is the B4P GT Simulator. It's the build for performance. GT is a motion platform rig with seat, wheel, pedals, and monitor mounts from the Netherlands priced at 25,000 euros. Holy cow. Looks pretty, uh, pretty cool, though. Yeah, this is like
2: a all-in-one type of deal. You know, it's coming with pretty much everything. It's got pedals, it's got the wheelbase, it's got the seat, it's got motion actuators, gigantic triple mounts. Um, so it's pretty much uh, ready to go right from right out of the box.
0: I love the color scheme, black and orange. I I really like the black and orange. Those are my high school colors, and but they got the black and orange thing going here. Uh, you know, seat racing seat, you know with the wrap around the head it's got the seat belts um everything else is pretty low profile it's, it's not really eighty twenty though but it's got d-box, d-box style on each corner um, actuators
1: yeah it's tubular and what's interesting is there's actually three different uh, options on here the the 24k one is the is the uh trip with triples uh, there's a Considerably much cheaper, but still stiff. Uh ten thousand euro stage one. Wow. I can't tell what the difference is between the stage one and the stage two.
0: About seven thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> Other than that, yeah.
0: So when they, they must be referring to some type of motion, right? Uh Brian? I mean, for seven thousand dollars, I mean, and you can't visually see the difference. What the heck could it be? Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is that
2: that doesn't have the actuators aren't, you know, aren't motion actuators.
0: Maybe it looks like motion actuators on the 10,000 ones, like you say. Uh, They're just a placeholder or something. They're feet.
2: That might make sense, you know, that way they don't have to, you know, make two different sets of uh, materials. They
0: just make one set. Well, there could be something lost in translation. Got another rig. How about another one? This one is uh, another unique design. Italian designer Arion Sims Evo 3RS is a tube-style racing cockpit with seat on sale for 1,299 euros, reduced from the normal 15, 19 euros. And what's unique about this one is the tubular is a nice one big thick tube and it comes up from the, the pedal tray for the wheel deck. And then it goes across from the wheel deck and then back down, but it doesn't go down the same direction. It goes towards the seat and it gives this uh, look of, I don't know how to describe it.
1: Well, that's, that's clever engineering because what have we complained about with with some cockpit designs where the, the base, the wheel base has a pole going right down the middle of your feet and you can't uh, properly use all three pedals uh it if uh, you've got that column in between your feet, so they get around that with this. they, they get that extra triangular stability, um, but also use less material.
0: You think it's more stable by doing it that way?
1: Uh, yeah, because it's a triangle instead of a leaning tower. Right. And they do have a
0: website arrow on arrow in sim. Like the word arrow and then the letter N and then shim.com.
1: The two frames are nice. I just, uh, the, what you give up with them is adjustability. I just, um, just how much adjustability you're going to have with this. I mean, you can lean the seam back, seat back with those, with the the clamps that come with the seat, the uh, attachment brackets, but how much further forward and backwards can you move it? Your pedals are going to, doesn't look like you can really choose whether the pedals need to be far away or close right imagine you trying tell, to maybe. set a rig up for for me versus like Do- uh uh dot not daughtry they right big tall guy right yeah so mm. um but it does look nice and if if you know it'll fit you or you've gotten the chance to sit in one and know that it it'll be a good way to go and if we jump from Italy over to Germany on our European tour of rigs, check the ZeeM racer out. It's an all-in-one racing rig with motion pedals, seat, wheel, and triple monitors.
0: It's ZeeM with three E's. Not two E's, three E's.
1: And it almost, if you if you were to just look at it as if it was a car, it almost looks like a, almost kind of like a dirt midget. Not a dirt midget, a dirt wing car, kind of, sort of, especially in the nose.
0: It has like body parts on it kind of thing, you know? It's got a back end, it's got a front, it's got a it's got side panels, it's got body work.
1: And I haven't found a price yet. Well, you know what that means, right? Yep. It means uh Denny Hamlin will be contacting him at some point, right? Or Brian McCubbin.
0: I, I love the uh the the black part of the rig i mean you see the body part that's kind of white and green but focus in on the black uprights that come up from the bottom up up to the middle where the monitors mount and stuff i mean that stuff looks rock solid i mean um and it just looks like it costs a lot of money i guess
1: now one question will be where are the actuators just the black frame or just the entire frame move because for one, that's a lot of material to move. For two, are your monitors moving with the rig or not? There's I don't think so, to, Dave. Video.
2: to me, it looks like it's a um, a seat-mounted um, motion. So just the seats moving around. I think everything else stays stationary.
1: Yep, you're right. I, I'm taking a look at the video now. So I just would always be visually jarring to have the m- motion in the seat, but not in the car. Right? Not to, My, ma- not to
2: mention your pedals aren't going to move either. Your seat's going to be moving around. Your pedals are staying in the same spot.
0: Uh, now, check the video at about the 45-second mark. High-end water-cooled PC is, like, built right into this rig, and they, like, pull off a piece of the body part, and you can see the the PC. It's so cool.
1: It is a pretty good commercial on that video.
0: Anyway, the Zeme, that's a pretty cool one. I love the name, too.
1: I'm looking at this next one, and this the price is kind of a shocker to me.
0: Well, this one is the GT Rig. It's called Esports Simulations GT Rig. is a rig with seat available in three colors for one thousand seven hundred forty nine ninety nine. Yikes! Now this is pretty uh, basic, I would call it. Um, it's a what is it? A steel or a, a flat steel, perhaps? that's powder coated
1: well that render is not even actual picture it's just it's a 3d drawing
0: yeah so we don't even have an
1: actual picture of it we just have 3d
0: drawings it looks like a a flat metal uh kind of rig it's got a seat nothing special yeah this is very uh interesting that they don't have actual pictures of the product
1: they do have some some different rigs available. they got one for open wheel. They've got some that are more for uh, flight sims. But I don't know. Uh, the price is just too high for what you get in there.
0: Uh, this is based uh, U.S., I believe. It says free shipping uh, to U.S. mainland. Maybe not. I don't even know where this one is.
2: California.
0: Is it? Yeah, I remember looking this up when I was doing it. What do you think, Brian, about them not putting an actual picture up? scares me. Um, yeah, that puts and, me off for sure.
2: And to me, I don't know, it, it's hard to tell because you're looking at a, a CAD type of drawing one here, but it looks kind of thick. That makes me think maybe it's not like steel, maybe it's a uh, some kind of wood or something.
0: MDF uh, wood or
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Could be. It I don't could know. be red it MDF. Yeah,
2: it doesn't specify, so yeah, I'm not it uh, makes me a little nervous.
0: Buyer beware. <laughs>
2: Okay. You ready, Mike? I found it on the website. It's engineered MDF. So oh, it's medium density fiberboard wood, uh, with aluminum to provide strong and rigid chassis. So it's, it's mostly wood with some aluminum for the support I imagine and the linkage and all that stuff.
0: But the price, I mean, if it was a $750, I might say it would cost too much, right? I mean, what would Tony Grove say if he was here? Uh, but then they add a thousand on top of that. I mean, come on. I mean, the price is ridiculous.
2: Well, it is California.
1: Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> we finally get away from rigs for a little bit, Brian.
2: Yeah, we're going to get into uh, VR now. Um, I saw this video before we even posted this, Mike, um, from um, the uh, MRTV uh, YouTube channel. It's the Varjo VARJO VR3 VR headset. So this is a commercial headset. It's not right now uh, something that you would buy as a uh, you know a regular consumer. It's a commercial style headset, but it can be used for gaming. And they tried it out, and uh, they were just blown away with the clarity. Um, just super wide. Um, uh, I think it was a 120 degree FOV, which is on the definitely on the high end. Um, the clarity of the picture they said was just just unbelievable. Um, it's uh, it's way better than the G2 as far as clarity goes. HP HP Reverb G2, it's it has a lot better clarity. Um, it's got different lenses, and I think that's where they said a lot of the uh, a lot of the improvements have come uh, in the lenses. So um, because it's a a commercial style headset, the price is really high. I think I I heard it was like over three grand for the unit. Plus, there's a eight hundred dollar per year uh, user type of uh, fee. So you're basically paying for this thing month every year to just to use it. So it's not really designed for us us consumers just yet. Um, But it does give you a lot of uh, hope for what's coming in the future of VR. And uh, and uh, what could we what we could be looking for in the future?
1: I'm still, for the majority, really happy with my Rift S. It's um, even though the fabric on it is kind of falling apart, uh, it. I don't get the screen door effect that I had on the original Rift. Uh, and I just don't worry about the field of vision because I can turn my head if I need to more than a real racer can. Uh, add that with my spotlight spotter spotlights and the fact that I can see the JRT spotter information. Now, I I know what's going on around me without having to look sideways. It's, it's just as good as having a real life spotter or close anyway.
0: If this is everything they say it is, I mean... They have a market, I'm sure, if they, you know, would open it up to the, the gaming user. Um, and the fact that, you know, it's commercial only and you have to be a business and then you have to pay the $700 a year, I mean, wow. Yeah, but, I, I, uh, I don't
2: know. How many companies are using VR now for, for commercial application? I, I don't I don't know how popular that is. I have to look into that. Yeah. Um, it's weird, but, um, I heard, I heard it's something that, that, uh, they're getting into more and more in the medical side of things, but, you know, I don't know. I just haven't seen, I haven't seen a whole lot of commercial, uh, or, or heard of a lot of commercial uses for VR headsets at this point.
0: Yeah. We got a couple videos on the script about it if you're interested, but, uh, I don't think you can buy it.
1: Well, um, you can buy this, uh- this one's interesting. Maybe we, we could call it the Lovebird Simulator. <laughs> um this, so this one we probably we should definitely get for Mike so his wife can just sit and and hang out with him while he while he races. Yeah, we have right. the, we have the motion simulators posted an Instagram video. It's a full wraparound projection style motion simulator with a two seater motion rig um, running side by side. If you watch the video, it doesn't. It seems to be that like they're sacrificing a lot of range of motion because it it looks like a kitty ride as much as it's moving.
0: Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's like a love seat. There, you know, the guy on the left driving, and you got a passenger on the right, and but uh, pretty cool to have a passenger to be able to ride with you in the sim rig. Uh, it it kind of made me think, hey, if you are designing a sim rig with motion, what if you put a, a passenger seat on it somehow? Could you build that in?
1: Well, that's exactly what this is,
0: but not side by side. I don't know. I was thinking front to back. I guess they couldn't see anything. That would be weird
1: yeah the right side is the passenger unless you're talking about a back seat.
0: Well, I guess I was talking about a back seat, but this is a yeah funky looking thing for sure.
2: The only thing I could do when I watched this that was be you know translatable to real life is like there's rally car drivers where there's a a guy in the passenger seat, you know read right. instructions on the course um okay. but other than that, you know it's just the ride along for fun, I guess.
0: Now this same company, Motion Simulation, also announced their brand new LC Series Racing Car Simulator, and we have an Instagram of that as well. And and this is a single person, not a dual person. But it's pretty cool how he can manipulate it from GT to Formula One style just in a few seconds. So if you play the video, you see him moving the pedals around, he can move the seat, uh, and adjust accordingly, uh, pretty quick. And, and the rig is all set up for that.
2: Yeah. The way I kind of described it is it's kind of got like rocking chair feet on it that lets you, um, rotate the, uh, sim. And, you know, as you rock it back, you know, your chair goes back and you get into a more of a formula style seating position as you rock it, the other rock it back the other way, your, your seat starts to sit up more straight up and down. It's, it's an interesting way to, uh, to achieve like a, a multi-style uh, racing rig.
0: Yeah, that's a good description, uh, Brian. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but, yeah, a, a rocking horse or a uh, kind of thing or a rocking motion is kind of the, the premise of it. Um, and he's got a lot of interesting hardware underneath that uh, platform to make it work, And uh, you can't really see it because he's got these nice covers or that kind of hide all the internals, uh, you know, with his company name on the outside. Uh, Very interesting design for sure.
1: Also very handy just to be able to raise the steering wheel up instead of have it right on top of your legs when you're climbing in and out.
0: Yeah, especially the wheel. The seat doesn't have a slider like it doesn't go forward or backwards. So the, the seat is kind of stationary. So you're right to to have that steering wheel lift up so you can get out. That's great.
1: Though it's not quite the same as actually being able to turn, actually be able, able to move the back of the seat because the angle is just a little bit different. I think in, a, in a, a true formula seat compared to a GT seat, it's a little bit more open. The yeah, seat back I agree with you, too. To the bottom. Yeah, the back, the back to the to the bottom ratio is angled, i don't think is the exact same if you took just a, if you took a regular gt actual you know something like the sparco seat and you just leaned it back far enough to be a to be a, 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 G, a formula style seat your knees would be way too high yeah motion
0: they're out of the uk their wraparound screen systems on their website are amazing um and then they drop this motion rig in the center of it, and uh, and they have them in different colors and stuff, like a bright red or a blue. I mean, they have some really neat stuff.
1: I really feel like on this next one, I need to include the Transformers theme song.
0: This is so cool. Listener Rob Jackson sent in, this one in for us. Thanks, Rob. Uh, it's ingenious, a convertible racing flight rig that basically converts his coffee... A coffee table in his living room that's what i would call it um however the front of it has looks like chest of drawers um but it's kind of used as a coffee table looking and you know sit in front of a couch and and uh, you play the video and uh, he he basically opens up the coffee table and it turns into a simulator like the the chair folds out and the, the wheel pops up and there's pedals and the whole nine yards freaking awesome
1: Definitely, is efficient for space, and um, probably m- will make most of your S- your internal designers happier, not having a rig sitting right in the middle of the the uh, living room. Interior designers, not internal designers. The, 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 ch-
2: the chair moves forward and backwards as well to uh, adjust the seating position. Um, and then after after you get the. Uh, the wheel in position if these two pieces fold out from the sides and it's a flight HOTUS. So you can, uh, for flight controls, for flight simulators, really amazing how well engineered this thing is.
0: that's what I was going to say. The engineering behind this is extreme because the way he gets it to fold up like that into that tiniest little space, and to be able to unfold into the perfect little position and to have the chair to be able to slide. I mean, it's just amazing that it all fits in the box.
1: And when it's put together, it's concealed. I mean, you would never know.
0: How big is that box when it's put together? I I mean, it's not even four foot by three foot. That's a pretty good guess. Yeah, I mean, it's tiny. I mean, uh, I'm just totally impressed. Like when he he first opens it. You lift the top and then it spins, you know, to 90 degrees, you know, like how does that work? He's racing in VR too. So he doesn't have to worry about having
2: a monitor sitting right in front of him either.
1: All right. We'll move to wheels. Now we've got, Open pre-orders for Fanatec's new Club Sport steering wheel RS. It's an oval wheel rim with integrated buttons, LEDs, and paddle shifters for $300. And they will start shipping on October 6th. And this really actually is almost the exact same design as the Porsche rim that I have, as far as where the buttons are and everything. I I mean, almost identical, except it doesn't have Porsche on top of it. But the reason I got that Porsche rim is because it worked as an oval rim, but had a good collection of buttons. Is it a little flat on the bottom, though? No, it's it's full circle. Okay. The newest one, I think, is flat on the bottom. But the one I have is was, was full circle. So yeah,
0: so that that I mean, I like the look of it. I mean, it, it's got that carbon fiber on around some of the buttons and the Fanatec logo on the on the front. You
1: know, kind of a sleek, modern look. Not not too bad. Here's the force rim. See, it's the exact same button layout. Oh, I see. Yeah.
2: Right, it's without the logo and
1: different color grip, right? Uh, the grip, may- different color, maybe.
2: It looks like black on the, on the, the new one, and yours is like a, like a brown leather looking. Nah, it's just faded. Okay.
0: <laughs> so that's not the only uh, new wheel, Brian.
2: Yeah, so they have the Club Sport steering wheel RS, and they also have the Club Sports steering wheel BMW GT2 V2 which is also uh, same price, uh, $299.95. So uh, this is the BMW version. Um, it's, uh, it does have a little bit of the flat spot on the bottom, Mike, like you were saying, paddle shifters, um, buttons around the, uh, around the uh, outside of the uh, hub. Um, it looks like it's got a digital display on the top front, too. It's a nice-looking rim, too.
0: And so when you go to the Fanatec page and then go to steering wheels, it says open for pre-orders and uh on on every entry and so these are all new wheels um i don't know if they've officially discontinued the other ones and these are all uh new versions or what but uh, i mean literally every single entry almost says open for pre-orders now they do have a couple that or don't say that but uh and the dates vary uh, some of the dates for the the one you mentioned the bmw says availability excuse me availability date of october 27th um and then the other one was october 6th
2: so uh knock tam who's his uh, username he posted a question on reddit which is your favorite of these new two wheels what do you think guys
1: well i'm partial to the to the the uh oval rim because it has the same button layout that I picked because it's a good button layout, good, really functional.
0: I don't like the flat bottom, so I mean that makes my, my decision of those two.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you guys. I kind of like one too. I like the LEDs on the steering wheel uh, for the uh, for the RPMs or whatnot. I think that it's, looks pretty it's, cool. It,
1: it's really helpful in VR, isn't it? I'll stop it.
2: <laughs> I, th- I have to put my VR in pass-through mode so I can see them.
0: Alright, next up we have Innovation, modularity, upgradability, a pedal board with a customizable feel and set with kits and upgrades designed by 3D Wrap. And so they're called Ingasa pedals and are made by 3D Wrap, and they have a—they their Facebook post uh, with a picture of them. What do you guys think?
1: Are these actual uh, 3D printed metal?
0: 3D Wrap is a 3D print company but I don't know, I I don't know how that works. I don't think you can print
1: metal. Yeah, you can do additive manufacturing with metal. Oh, okay,
0: well I don't know much about it, but looking at the pictures, I mean, uh, they're not hydraulic, so you would think they're load cell, right? No indication on price.
2: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of of the two two pedal setup with the uh, 8020 that runs down the center. That seems like it might be a little wobbly.
0: Isn't that weird? It's like they decided oh you know, we gotta mount this on something. Let's just grab a piece of eighty twenty. Just one piece, not two.
1: <laughs> Though when you put the right the L joints in the right place or the the little corner joints, they, they hold those suckers pretty snug. But yeah, there's not a whole lot of information on them. They're they they're probably low cell. Look pretty good and adjustable. Um you can probably change the plates to whatever kind of plates you want. Um, and I I speculate that it's actually 3D printed parts including the metal. I'd love to find that out.
0: yeah they don't have it on their actual website these pedals they just put it on Facebook so it, I don't know if it's something they're working on or what.
1: Well, for those of you who really like to take a trip down nostalgia including with your equipment, there's a new mod mp4 vintage formula rim from that'll work on several pretty much I guess almost all the hubs. Um, and it, it's round, but it was it was run in the F1 rim by. Let me turn get back on the right page. Um, it was it was run in the 1988 McLaren MP4, driven by Ayrton Senna. Uh, two buttons on there. You just got boost and radio. Well, you can't mess that up. That's that's about what I need. And it's up. Uh, it's also tiny. I mean, it just it definitely. It went in those little F1 cockpits before they had the, the the current F1 style, which are, you know, just the side grips. Butterflies, yep. yeah.
0: That's going back to if F1 has a round wheel, right? That's really going back.
1: Well, 88 doesn't sound like that long ago because we were all alive back then. But, oh. uh, well, actually, Brian, were you? I don't know. You may be like a Gen Z or something like that. But uh, Yeah. Um, the- I I graduated uh, school in 88. Really? Okay. (laughs) Um, It's definitely a throwback, though, if you think about it. That's approaching 35 years ago.
0: So when I look at the picture, I I don't know why, but it looks like there's a logo in the middle, but they have it like blurred out. I mean, what's. Am I seeing that or what am I seeing?
1: Why? Um. my guess would be some kind of copyright or trademark, but I, I don't think they would be able to put this up at all at the design of the will if they didn't have some kind of licensing or permission, though 36 years, it may not be uh copyrightable material anymore. There's everything has an expiration.
0: Maybe the logo is there on the product, but they don't want to show it on the internet that way yeah. or something, you
1: know, the design may not. May maybe public domain, but the logo may still be owned.
0: So it's 3 dwrapit on uh, the one we, we just talked about with the other wheel, but uh, but yeah, this one is available too. A uh, hundred ninety nine euros to two hundred and forty nine euros, depending on uh, which option you pick.
2: That's um Senna's car back then. Was that classic red and white Marlboro F one car? That uh just a classic design. All right, guys, uh, the next one comes from listener Greg Reams. He sent us a YouTube video from Dan Suzuki, Suzuki, and he shows you how iRacing button encoders you can use uh, to double the amount of buttons on any wheel. So um, he shows you, takes you through step-by-step how to program buttons so you can use like a button almost like a shift on a keyboard where you get um, a whole second set of buttons. Uh, Button functionality out of out of your existing buttons. So if you if you're using an older style G27 and you've got a few buttons to work with, you can use basically dedicate one button to work uh, to uh, almost like I said, like a shift button on the keyboard, or where you can uh, press that in and use the same buttons for a second feature from the original one that you programmed. So uh, pretty cool. He shows you how to do it, and uh, it work. And it looks like it works pretty good.
0: Yeah, I didn't really realize you could do this, but uh, you can. So when you just go into the options to program the button, you just hold down that button, that you, the shift button, or whichever one you de- designate, uh, and the other button that you want to use, and, and it works. And so he does a demonstration that shows an, a thing where he, it goes left or right, and he has it for one thing, and then he holds down the button and programs the same button for something else. And so... Uh, Yeah, pretty handy. Something else I found uh, software-wise this week. uh, Davin at DriveThru posted on Twitter, uh, download to get the EA Sports Chase the Cup Spotter Pack for iRacing. And uh, Chase for the Cup EA Spotter Pack for iRacing version 0.3 beta. And he has a link for a Google Drive download. And so, basically, he's made a new spotter pack, and it sounds like EA Sports uh, used to, anyway.
2: Yeah, I actually uh, watched that video. It's a, it was pretty cool hearing the spotters from that old uh, EA Sports game. It was really cool. Um, I, I wonder if there's any copyright issues with that, but it's not for me to uh, to uh, worry about.
0: If yeah, there is, I, I've heard if there that is, before.
1: If there is, he can go hide somewhere in France.
0: <laughs> I've heard the, uh, yeah, when you listen to the video, you can, you recognize the voice for sure. I don't know if I want to set this as my spotter though, but it's an option.
1: I don't particularly get excited about anything EA, so. <laughs> All right. We've hinted at this, I think, or maybe i maybe I just remember reading about it when I went on my pedal search a, a month or so ago, but, uh, Huskinville has released the ultimate plus pedals. Um, they're now available in the web shop and at resellers and they say that they hope you like the improvements. I have not watched the video.
0: Well, it's a high pace video. Uh, You know, it's like a commercial uh, showing off the new uh, thing, but you know, their big thing is a new controller. They have a smart controller. Uh, He's been kind of teasing on social media for the last week or two, but that's really what's behind it is I, you know, I, as far as the what's the difference between the ultimate and the ultimate plus. In fact, he also has an upgrade kit for that, Brian.
2: Yeah. So, uh, there's an upgrade for the classic, um, sim pedals ultimate, which will be available around July 27th. They said, so, um, With The kit you get the main technical upgrades of the Simpedal Ultimate Plus, including that smart control that you were talking about, Mike, and the new brake spring uh, elastomers. So, um, so yeah, so you get all the, you can upgrade your uh, Simpedal Ultimate to be the Ultimate Plus by purchasing this kit, which will be available in about a week.
0: And these are the best high-skin pedals they have, the ultimates, and so now. I guess the ultimate plus will be the best. And I clicked on their website to get a price here. Um, There's several different options, but if you do the three pedal option, $1,098 uh, Euro without the base plate. And these are not so, hydraulic. So I, to me, these are like probably the mo- one of the more expensive load cell type pedals that I've seen out there that you would consider high end, right? But for this kind of price, we can get hydraulic. We've seen them last week, right?
2: Yeah, I think there's a couple of them that we reviewed that were close to that price
0: range with hydraulics. Now, maybe I'm mistaken because it does say on the page it has hydraulic damping, but I don't see the little fluid reservoir that I normally am looking for. It says the bespoke hydraulic dampers of the Simpedals Ultimate are ultra-reliable and do not require periodic maintenance. Even in the unlikely case of a failure, all hydraulic dampers can easily be removed while the pedal still retains its basic functionality.
2: So you would just lose that that feel, the hydraulic feel, but you can still use it without that damper built into it.
1: All
0: right. So that's hardware software. Let's jump into uh, results. And it's off week, but we still have to cover the end of last week, right? And so that was New Hampshire, Friday open. Uh, David, let's start out with you. Wrecked out.
1: Yeah, I had just run a a Le Mans race or a Euro Series race, and I had my wheels still set to that setting, even though I swapped rims, and so my wheel was turning too fast. I had the wrong steering ratio, basically, and as a result, overcorrected, snapped loose, and took somebody out with me, unfortunately, Uh, and that, that was it for that night. And I got
0: a DNF. I was taking it easy a bit past halfway, got caught up in another's wreck, and I just couldn't miss it. Uh, it blew up maybe, you know, 30 laps later, I was trying to soldier on, but it blew up. Uh, it, you know, I think I missed the wreck two, three, maybe even four times, but then I eventually got caught up and New Hampshire, it, it's narrow. I mean, when, when the front stretch stretch, you know, you know, bottles up and you get, uh, somebody sitting, you know, s- crossways, there's not uh, much lane left. And, uh, if there's more than one car, uh, it can be t- totally blocked the track. It's crazy. Uh, Greg Kectus got a P19. He said, involved in everything. All right. How about Sunday open?
1: Yeah, we started, uh, got wrecked out of this one as well. This one wasn't really my doing. It was just unavoidable. Uh, we had, had quite a few of pros in the race actually, even though it was just Sunday. Um, and one of them was able to run that inside line very effectively, and he scared a guy. I, I don't have any other way to describe it. I've never, I've never seen it. Uh, He's holding it clean on the line, on the inside line, and this other guy certainly just jerks to the right. So my best guess is he got scared. He he wipes somebody out, and then they're sideways across the track, and I can't get around them. Um, so that was it.
0: Was that the one where Busa was going on the apron to pass everybody?
1: No, Busa was doing that on Friday, uh, but he wasn't the only one who was doing it. After everybody saw him doing it, they started doing it too. Um, um, so quite a few people were going down there, and this. This guy, I haven't seen him in many NIS races. So, who, I mean, the guy that was on the inside, I know. But the guy that, that I guess, got scared or overreacted or overcorrected. Um, I think it was just a matter of inexperience. And it was like, whoa, somebody's down there. And he thought he was probably about to get destroyed or something.
0: Okay, Tom Dryling, P2. Wow, what an interesting race. Got involved in a crash, my fault, lost a lap and a few RPM. Got my lap back with 35 to go. Was able to work my way up to third when Akasha came out with four to go. Decided to pit. Restarted in seventh for a green-white checker. Got to second. Needed a couple more laps for a win, but I'll take it. Wow. Uh, You know, to to take tires on a green-white checker and to get second, that's awesome. Sunday fixed, I got P25. Got totally collected in a wreck I could not miss. It was eight minutes damaged. I I did soldier on, though, uh, from 33rd to 25th. Uh, But my I rating is just, whoosh, gone. It is gone. I mean, I just had two or three bad weeks in a row, and and it's really hurting. Let's talk uh, other uh, racing official and hosted. Uh, Greg uh, said he got a P2 and A open, that's all it says. And then I ran a bunch of stuff, I ran Carb Cup, uh, almost one, I wrecked coming to the checkered, I was trying to block, this was the next gen car on the iRacing Super Speedway, and I thought I had this baby wrapped up, Uh, you know, I was first, they were coming on the outside, I pulled up. It was, I was too slow. They went around me to the outside and we ended up touching it and wrecked out. So I ran it again, uh, but the next night it was Michigan at the next gen uh, carb Cup. Uh, and I hate that racing. It was flat out and you never left, ever lift. And uh, I was pretty good at it, but I didn't like it. I mean it, it just does, it's, it, you're, you're relying on draft only to make passes because everybody is flat out and um, it, you might as well not even have pedals if, if it's flat out. It's stupid. Anyway, uh, I also ran hosted Formula V at Bristol, which was an interesting uh, combination and a super amount of fun. Um, I don't know where I finished, but I did have a lot of fun running that one. Then I ran hosted uh, Sprint Cars at Pavement Bristol and won Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. I was pretty proud of that. Uh, Then I ran the Dirt Street street Stock at Lerner'sville and I really suck at that. Then I tried the Carb Cup Next Gen at Michigan and won P1, Uh, did the same race twice more thinking I'm gonna keep on winning, but got wrecked out. And then finally last night I ran a hosted Kia Optima at North Wilkesboro and that was a huge blast Uh, also wrecked out though but uh, had a lot of fun running that that's a neat combo
2: that was a pretty uh, spectacular wreck I saw the video you posted on that one Mike
0: yeah I got taken out like uh, up into the stands and the whole nine yards yeah okay let's move on to fast track sim racing Uh, I'll give you one guess well my luck continued I wrecked out uh, David, how'd you run?
1: I took a P3. I probably should have been P4 or P5, but but uh, Greg and uh, Jeff Marble actually got into each other a little bit. And I snuck by them in the process. Greg also was able to keep his car together. and I, He may have been P5 or P4. I put down P4 because he didn't put it in, but he, he stayed up in the top five even with the damage. Um, it's a fun group, but We've got about five in there that are always fighting for that lead. Tyler carried, he ran away with this one. He just was the class of the field on this one.
0: Yeah, nice win. We need some more people to run with us over there. I mean, we got a good group going. We just need about 10 more. So if you're listening and you want to race Monday, come race with us. Uh, Hit up Jeff Marble and uh, he'll hook you up. Let's talk OBRL truck series. It was Dwayne MacArthur winning. the Aftermath Podcast Truck Series Race at Auto Club Speedway, Steve Steve Thompson, second, Josh Robinson, third. And Brian, you didn't run much, did you?
2: No, I had a weird work week and kind of got messed up a couple nights. I had to go into work like super early, so I couldn't stay up too late to run some more races.
1: I thought you were going to say you were still camping. No, I wish. Grid Finder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Grid Finder. Finder.com. The home of online sim
0: racing leagues. All right, let's get into final thoughts. Brian McKinnon.
2: Uh Not a whole lot going on this week. Um, I'm getting ready to jump back into the IROC series right after the podcast here. We're going to be racing uh, uh, Chicago, or Chicago, I think, So in the truck. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if Kyle will be making it this week. I hope to see him there. But uh, after that, I'm looking forward to Friday night's race tomorrow night the sprint cars guys join us sprint cars at Bristol it's going to be a blast so uh, join us tomorrow night 830 is the race time
0: and hosted yep get in there I need to buy the car I'll probably practice it tonight Uh, and I'll probably run some more hosted so I've been having fun with that David Hall final thoughts
1: been practicing for this the uh, SPA race this week, uh, SPA 24, official iRacing event. We've got a team slapped together, including Richie. He was able to make it to this one. Uh, and a cu- couple of guys from another team that I run a lot of uh, LMP races with. Uh, Greg's running us with us as well. So it's actually, an over, it ended up being an overloaded team. We didn't know if we were going to get one together. And then suddenly two teams only had three people and said, hey, let's just run six. So hopefully we can get through without any major incidents. Y'all saw me post on chat a couple of times. I've had guys who just don't know how to sit still on the track when they're wrecked and they'll pull back and forth across the track twice um, and, and take you out. It was, it, but uh, hopefully we don't have any of that happen to us in the 24 hour. So when it's dark, it's
0: dark, right? There's no
1: lights. Yeah, there's lights. They're on the car. Oh, the
0: headlights, right? But I mean, it's all you need. Proper track lighting, though. It's all you need. It sounds like a little scary to me, but uh, good luck with that. Uh,
1: compared to Le Mans, you know, even though Le Mans has some lit up areas, there when when they first came up with the new lighting system, right? Old night Le Mans was not actually pitch black, right? You remember? It 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 kind of was more of like a dusk. You could still see the whole track, but then they changed it to where parts of it would actually be black out, where you couldn't see it. Uh, on um, the markings, especially in the GT car instead of an LMP car, are just easier to see at Spa. You don't, you don't feel as lost when it gets dark.
0: Right. All right. Well, my final thoughts, uh, confidence. I think I had lost it, man. I kept getting wrecked out. I'm like a bad luck magnet. And uh, to, to win a couple times here recently, uh, the next-gen car at Michigan and then the Carb Cup i racing Super Speedway uh, it was just fun you know I just I'm just having a lot of fun out there just trying to f- try different things uh, jumping into random hosted events uh, don't be afraid to do that I mean you see something hosted and and it's a green circle just do it man just jump in there and see what happens and uh, I, I I find the most fun racing sometimes doing that um, and I try to try to jump in right as they're you know, I don't mess with the practice or anything. I'm just gonna sneak in there and start at the back and, and uh, see where I end up. And that's kind of what happened with the uh, Kia Optima at North Wilkesboro. I, I, I came in right as they were gridding. I was dead last and ended up in the top five, I think before I wrecked out. So super fun. Looking for more of that this week and next uh, before we go back NASCAR racing and we'll talk to you then. See you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.